Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Well, good morning again, friends. Uh, Lord willing, at the end of this uh, message today, uh, I want to I want to give some suggestions of how you and me and and we can be people on the move with with Christ. You know, some things that we can see, some things that we can be and, and do together as a church. But certainly, before we get to the end of the message, there is some teaching to do, uh, because I, I truly believe that the preaching of, of the word, it's, it's an important part uh, in the process that, that builds up the church, this, this process that equips us for moments and movements of, of service and, and discipleship. Preaching the word is important. And so uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if, if you're not already there. Uh, we won't get there until a couple minutes from now. Um, but you can just be prepared ahead of time. I want to start in the beginning. Let's go back to the garden. And uh, to get us started, I have a few questions just to kick around here. In the garden, what was God up to with his humans? What did God desire for Israel in the Old Testament? Or how about that, that 400-year period in between Old and New Testament? Like, that was a long time. What did God desire for his people then? How about the early church? How about us today? Hypothetically, 100 years from now, what does God want us to be about? And so uh, this message, just to let you know, it's kind of like the spiritual sequel of, of last week's message. Last week, we were driven by this question, what kind of people does God want us to be? What kind of people does God want us to be? And we could, and we have, we, like, we could write books and books and books trying to flesh that out. Last week, we sat on Micah 6, 1 to 8, um, especially verse 8 there, Micah 6, 8, and we found out that Micah 6, 8 brings some clarity doing justice, loving to show mercy, walking humbly with God. Okay, God values these things. If, if we do these things, we're on the right track. We're, we're moving uh, in, in the right direction. And then last week, we, we zoomed out of Micah, and the, the cross became a part of the conversation. The, the cross is a big voice in our conversation. And you see, on Good Friday, which this year is April 7th, for those who are interested to know, April 7th is Good Friday. On Good Friday, Jesus was abandoned by his friends. He was tortured and beaten, lashings, a crown of thorns was pressed into his head. Under the authority of, of Rome, he was sentenced to die, executed by crucifixion, a very excruciating, slow, painful way to die. And in, in this Good Friday story, in all this humiliation, and the pain, and the suffering, excuse me, and, and all of this, this, uh, this turmoil on the cross, in the lowest of the low places, we actually find out that Jesus is doing something mighty. On the cross. 
Jesus is inaugurating something new. To borrow from N.T. Wright, he says, Jesus doesn't give us an explanation for the pain and sorrow of the world. He comes where the pain is most acute and takes it upon himself. Jesus doesn't explain why there's suffering, illness, and death in the world. He brings healing and hope. He doesn't allow the problem of evil to be the subject of a seminar. He allows evil to do its worst to him. He exhausts it, drains its power, and emerges with new life. Have you heard the news? The crucified Christ is the risen Christ. This is the best news ever. You know, faith is mysterious. We, we see through a glass darkly. And this, this mysterious faith, the, in the mystery of faith, the, the deepest window and the clearest window to the heart of God is found when we look to the cross. The cross is an ending so that a new beginning can happen. Resurrection is the new beginning. A, a redemptive world has dawned. A redemptive world has dawned. And again, using N.T. Wright, you know, from the future, from the future, hope has like pushed back into our, our time, the person of Jesus. Hope in the, in, in the person of Jesus has arrived and it has surprised the whole world. Resurrection is supposed to be a future thing. Eschatological, that, that big fancy word. Resurrection is a future thing. And it's surprising to find that, that it happened in a first century garden tomb. The cross and the empty tomb have changed things. And it gets better, there's more because of Pentecost. We, we, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we continue to ask this question, what kind of people does God call us to be? Well, we're still collaborators, just like in the garden. Co-labor. Co we, we collaborate with God. And like Israel, um, God wants to covenant with us. This time we have a new covenant that's, that's cut by, by Jesus. And now because of Good Friday and Easter and Pentecost, you know, we are Christ-shaped people. We're spirit-filled people. We're part of God's new redemptive world. Believers are new creations. There's different metaphors that the New Testament uses. A new creation. That's part of the vocabulary, vocabulary here. You know, we are new creations. We are remade in Christ. And now, we're invited in. Jesus invites us in. He says, hey, continue on. Be a part of this, this project of engaging in brokenness. Announce healing to the world. Announce love to the world. Announce truth to the world. To people who are just filled with disappointment, disorientation, disaster. And there's to be unity in this. There is unity in this. We, we are not alone. God knits all of us together here today. And as we follow the, the resurrected Christ... With the posture of, of being these humble followers, we're, we're humble students. And, and we, we co-learn together and we co-study and teach one another. We practice the ways of Jesus together. 
And as his students, that's what disciple means, as his students, we continue to gather around Jesus as a body, we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, and we continue on to equip one another uh, we, we, for, for works of service, so that this body can just continue to grow up in Jesus, so that we're built up in Jesus until there's unity of, of faith, so that we, we just see the Son of God wherever we, we go in our hearts and minds, and, and we get to just continue to grow. And our trajectory here as a body is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All of that comes from Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? How wonderful is that? The trajectory of us as a body here is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The church is to be a people who are fully developed, fully alive, just like Jesus. But as you know, on the path of being a mature church, there can be a lot of growing pains. Every church comes with its own tangles. Any amens with that? Every church has its own tangles, and, and that's exactly what we find with the house churches in Corinth in the New Testament. Corinth is a, a maritime uh, city in Greece. The church planting missionary theologian named Paul, he arrives there. He spends about 18 months there planting the church in Corinth. House churches there. And what we know is that one of these house churches... Uh, there, there's a lady named Chloe, and most likely she's a prominent woman of, of standing there. She, she's a household church leader. And from her household, Paul received this report. Okay, there, There's some, some tangles in, in the Corinthian church. They're caught up in rivalry and divisiveness. Now, as a side note, there's other issues going on in the church. It's also been reported that there's like sexual immorality just everywhere. Um, and then, you know, one instance, there's a there's a son having relations with his stepmom. That's that's a story for another day. Paul deals with that later on in, in the letter. Um, today, we'll just focus on this this divisiveness, this rivalry that's going on in the church. Checking out First Corinthians chapter one. Starting with verse 10. Again, there, there's division in the church, in this Corinthian church. And what's happening is that church members have their own preference of preacher. All right? But it was like a, a bad form of, of tribalism was, was hap happening. Lines were being drawn where, where Jesus was like, why are you drawing lines? Okay, why, why are you putting uh, people in boxes or, you know, I'm, I'm over here, I'm with these people, you're with those people. What is going on? Some are following Paul, others Apollos, others Peter, perhaps they heard him down in Jerusalem. The need that needs to be expressed here, the need is, the need is, there's, there, we need unity and, and togetherness in the church. And so Paul, he has to tackle this. He has to tackle this, this division. And so in, in the letter, Paul makes this appeal. He's like, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the, in the authority of Jesus Christ, church, find agreement here. 
Find agreement with one another. Be perfectly united in mind and, and thought. Now, Paul's not dumb. He knows any group of humans are not going to agree on everything. Okay, he's not saying we have to be you know, robotically the same. But God knits us together. And we're supposed to be moving like, like a, a common choreography here. Okay, in short... There is a profound difference between having, like, opposing viewpoints and being, like, super divisive. There is a difference. Or perhaps think of, like, a football team. You have your offense team, you have your defense team, you have special teams, but they're all on the same team. Okay? We're all on the same team. And so, yeah, uh, Paul's like, there's different preachers and leaders and guess what? They have different personalities and they have different styles. But we all work for Jesus. We all preach the same message. We're all here because of Jesus and the cross. So there's division in the church. And notice that Paul's corrective is to point them back to the cross. Verse 23. We preach Christ crucified. This is what we're about. We're, we're preaching Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. For Jews, a crucified Messiah is a stumbling block. A crucified Messiah is scandalous. An executed hero, that means failure. That means weakness. What is up with that? I, that's going to trip me up if you're Jewish. For Gentiles, on the other hand, it's foolishness because Gentiles don't even have a Messiah uh, concept, okay? And so this idea of this, this, uh, this Savior who's been crushed by Rome, crushed and destroyed by, by, by the Roman cross, that's completely foolish. That's ridiculous. However, the message... Of Jesus on the cross. It has the power to ignite the saving process. As the old hymn goes, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. Do you know this one? It was there by faith I received by sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. Let me repeat that. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Theologian Veli Matty Karkainen, I think he's from Finland. <laughs> the cross, he's at Fuller Seminary now, I believe. Uh, the, the cross of Christ is the focus of Paul's preaching and faith. This wisdom, hidden from human wisdom, is found in Christ. By virtue of the cross, referencing verse 30 now, Christ is not only our wisdom, but also our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And you know, today's message of, of Jesus, the message of Good Friday and, and Easter, it's a, it's a stumbling block and it's foolishness to many people. It, it's still, it still is a stumbling block and foolishness. So this cross, 
this Jesus, a, a, a crucified and risen Christ, it's absurd. Because again, the cross is, is weakness, it's defeat. It's for losers. It's, it's death. But here's the thing, and this is, this is my observation. I think secretly, the cross, the message of the cross, the word of the cross, what we're talking about here today, I think secretly it can even sound foolish for those in the church. And let me explain why. We, we might have like a, a pre-baked disposition uh, that, that kind of looks like this. To be wise is to be wealthy. To be wise is to have power or to, to have authority. Perhaps um, in the church, you know, we have experiences where like, ooh, this is what wisdom is. It's, it's knowing all the right answers and, and, and speaking with certainty. It's wisdom is is aiming to please people. That's what wisdom is. You know, like we can we can have just different concepts of of what's wise and and all of those experiences like I've seen in my life, either myself or for others, you know. But again, even in the church, sometimes we we misunderstand that what looks like weakness According to the world, actually behind that might be God's strong arms. Okay, like God's just like, it looks weak, but God is right there flexing his big, strong, mighty arms. And sometimes we misunderstand that what looks like foolishness, that's actually God's wisdom. So again, there's, there's division in the church, and Paul's corrective is to point them to the cross. Because yes, yes, we need to be reminded that we are cross-shaped people. We are creatures of grace. This is why we're here. We're not a club. This isn't just some, some cool tribe of, of, of Judaism now. Like, like, no, we are cross-shaped people. And we need to be reminded of the newness of life that we have in him. We are this assembly of, of foolish people. Who accept the message of Jesus on the cross. Because it's at the cross where love runs red. That's where we sink into his mercy. That's where we find out just how loved we are. And we're being put back together. And in community, we, we journey together to become this fully developed, fully alive people. Fully alive just as Jesus is alive. Jesus doesn't call us to, to know all the answers. He calls us to follow him. And while there's differences in theological opinions and perspectives and things like that, we all follow Jesus. And we follow him to the cross. And at the cross, we find salvation, forgiveness, healing. The problem of Divisiveness is cured because Jesus' blood is there. Jesus is on the cross. Everyone's invited to the communion table. So daily we go to the cross and we're reminded that the old identity is co-crucified with Christ. The old identity is dead. And I'm reminded of 
my pastor friend, Al Giles, who said to me once, he, he said, you know, if, Cam, if, if you want to live a resurrected life, that means something has to die. But the point is, Christians, as new humans, we're not about death. Sometimes we, we, we sit on death, and there's, there's times that's appropriate, but we're about life. Okay, we are about life. New life is here. The Christ life is here. And daily, we have resurrection power to live this life with hope. And so accordingly, may we be in agreement this morning that the greatest wisdom that we can have is to follow Jesus. That, that, that is the wisest thing that we can do. Walking personally with Christ every single day. That is great wisdom. Not just as individuals. But importantly, together. And in this emerging life with Jesus, we continue to learn the heart of Jesus. A community of resurrection people here. An entity in God's new redemptive world that someday he will put it all back together. But now we're just a part of this already not yet kind of project. An entity in God's new redemptive world. And we... Continue to be these humble learners. Humbly, we're seeking out how and why to do justice. How to show mercy with love. And I believe that when we hang out with Christ long enough, we get a clear understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. As we hang out with Christ, we we, we, we study his, his ways. We study his heart. We'll be influenced to move like Jesus. And when a bunch of people are moving with Christ Jesus, you know, that's, that's when a bunch of people are moving with Jesus, that's, the, the needle is, is moving in our understanding of, of what the call is for this church. To be his people. Moving in his ways. And so here at the end of the sermon, may I just humbly give you a, a variety of suggestions of how you and we can move together with, with Christ. And the first one is uh, just to, to open our eyes. Where do you see a need? In the church? In the community? Perhaps ask yourself, okay, how can, how can I help energize Plymouth Meeting Church to, to meet this need? You know, perhaps go on prayer walks. Pray that God would reveal something, that he, he would pull back the curtain just a little bit so that you're able to see a need. Doing ministry in the suburbs can be really hard because we're busy. We all have our houses. And, and so it's so easy to hide the pain there are just so many hurting people around us. So many needs. God's aware of them. And we're his church in Plymouth Meeting. Let's, let's be on the lookout. Let's, let's move with Christ here. A movement of Christ. Perhaps in a more personal way or, or in our small groups, you know, take time to ponder how, how moving together with Christ could be lived out, planned out, prayed for in ourselves and each other's. That's, a, that's an invite, again, to be a part of this project. 
this redemptive project. And perhaps a good entry point is just to open your eyes. Pray for a vision. Lord, let me see. I invite you this morning to continue to be a humble student. You know this world is complex, and there's topics out there that are just way beyond our our understanding for for any one of us. And I just want to encourage you to to continue to open yourself up to these these topics, whatever whatever they are. And do do research. But do it with a cross-shaped posture, a, a redemptive spirit. Okay, God, what are you up to here? What do you desire in in this topic? X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Okay, God, how how do you see the world? I was uh, informed recently, someone shared a a quote with me. It was just like a good reminder that that repentance is, is an invite to change your thinking. And so, you know, we... We want the world to change how they think. You know? And I, I think it can be... Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's, it's kind of messed up. If, if we're the ones who are just unwilling to learn, okay, but yet we're, we're asking the world to learn about ourselves, if that makes sense. I, I didn't flesh this thought out fully. It's just kind of coming out of me right now. But... Um, <clears throat> But if you think about that, like to be a humble learner, to, to you want to explore topics, listen, hear perspectives. You know what? I'm not, you don't have to change what you believe, right? But there, there's a process. Change is not the first step in repentance. You know, it's, it's first is invitation, conversation, and then it's the change in your your head, change in your heart that leads to repentance, that leads to belief. And then you believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Anyways, open yourself up to topics. I just want to give you two resources, um, perhaps, that that may be helpful. Our denomination is part of National Association of Evangelicals, NAE.org. You can go to that website. They They have lots of articles, topics. You can pick different things. An evangelical perspective. Start, start engaging. Um, for those who, who are interested from like, you like you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to learn. I have like this missionary impulse within me, you know, I, and, and I kind of just want to like learn about things like, but not from a, an American perspective. Like I want to get out of America and kind of have this global perspective on, on how to think about things. Um, there's Lausanne.org, the Lausanne movement. Is anybody familiar with Lausanne? Anybody here? One, two, all right. Okay, it was started by Billy Graham. You, you've, you've heard of Billy Graham? Okay, Billy Graham and others. Lausanne is, is the global perspective. Um, check it out. Check out their resources. They, they, have, they have a bunch of stuff out there. Um, and of course, there's books and Podcasts, and there's a bunch of other stuff that I could I could recommend, but for now I'll just I'll leave it at that. Main point: be a humble learner. Be a humble learner. We are moving with Christ. We're looking for needs. We're staying fresh. We're listening. We're learning. 
We're engaging in other people's experiences. And then I just want to continue to... uh, I I want to encourage you to continue to be a partner with Plymouth Meeting Church for unity in and of mission. So, three quick things here. Join a church team. We have church commissions here at Plymouth Meeting Church, and we have some fresh teams developing... And I would love to see everyone involved on a team. And more will come later on, God willing, in a couple of weeks. We'll be able to kind of explain more and more of of what we're we're about here with our commissions. Um, But we need you. We're in this together. We also have a thing called Missionary Fellowship. Okay, we support missionaries here as a church. But... That money does not come out of our general budget. Everyone just comes. Everyone who's a part of Missionary Fellowship, they willingly give money to support our, our missionaries. And also, Missionary Fellowship is more than just about support. We all, we're also educational. And uh, Lord willing, coming up, we'll have a Missionary Fellowship meeting where we just talk about missions. We talk about how we can mobilize this church. We learn from a global perspective. We learn. Uh, from a stateside perspective, um, how we can be people on the move with Christ. And the last thing I just want to take a moment to advertise, to mention, uh, to, to put it into your heads. I want you to know that we have a, a Helping Hands Fund at church. And this was relatively brand new. A Helping Hands Fund. It's money that has been set aside. Generosity has come in. We have this bucket of cash, not really, but, you know, it's like we, we have this special bucket, and it's called the Helping Hands Bucket, the Helping Hands Fund. And if there is a need that comes our, our way, we can help cover rent, etc. We have money available. I want you to be aware of that. One, to contribute to it financially. That's awesome. Thank you for your generosity. But then also, going back to... Um, looking for needs, if you see a need, please be aware that this church is here and we're ready to help. We can extend a hand and help those. Helping hands fine. So, look for needs. A church looking and praying. Making themselves available to see the world as, as Jesus sees the world. We are all students here, so we're always learning as we engage in topics, as we hear things in the news and, and this and that, we're always learning, always learning. And then just continued collaboration with Plymouth Meeting Church. This is your church. We're here. Let's, let's do this together. Let's do this for Jesus. Let's, let's move with him.